Dear listeners of the Female Guides Requested Podcast, Happy Wednesday! This is your host Tingting from sunny Las Vegas. Today's guest is Kelly Fields. Kelly was exploring, scaling mountains, and track climbing with her family all over the country from the tender age of two. She got her first climbing job in a gym when she was thirteen. When she was eighteen, she began her apprenticeship. With Seneca Rocks Mountain Guides, and found her calling as a climbing guide. At one point, she proposed a women's only course to the guide service, and soon realized not only was there a need for that, but she also felt empowered by teaching other women and seeing them grow. She then founded Athena Rock Climbing in 2012, with the goal of hosting climbing events designed to help women advance their skills. Now Kelly lives her dream, guiding year round, half year on the East Coast and half year in Joshua Tree. Kelly described how working for multiple guide services and operating her own business has been scary at times, but overall a fulfilling journey. Guiding has been Kelly's only means to support herself since eighteen, and from our conversations, I could sense clearly her devotion to climbing. And in her words, helping others see a different way to live lives. We talk about the ups and downs as a guide and as a business owner, her passion towards creating space for women climbers, how proud she was to assemble an all-female guide team, and to apply all she learned from climbing to the real world. There are still uncertainties, and there will be difficulties. And it is not that Kelly doesn't have fear, but I know she will stay calm and keep pushing forward. Listening to her stories give me courage, and I believe you will gain strength from this episode as well. For letting me use your space for this interview, yeah, of course. And I'm、um, happy to have a chance to finally see you. I heard so much about you, about the work you do in Joshua Tree. I saw from the website Athena Climbing. Is that how you pronounce it? Athena Rock Climbing. Okay, Athena Rock Climbing.、Yeah. That you start Athena Rock Climbing in 2012. Yeah, under a different name. Um, and out on the East Coast, actually. So we've gone through many changes. I see.、Um, yeah, I started guiding in West Virginia in 2010, and then started this business just as hosting women's climbing events、um, under a different name that I am trying to bury, but. <laughs> It may be trying to bury. Don't have to even mention that because,、okay. right? I mean, unless you really think that that you want to share. I mean, it was a big thing for my business for sure. I started this business when I was like, I was very young, and I just didn't quite know the power of words,、um, and so I started the events under the name Chicks with Nuts. Chicks with Nuts. Yes, I I can understand as a track climber. I can understand why. Where are you coming from? Yes, I thought it was just the funniest thing, and I didn't quite know, you know, how much our words do matter. 
Um, and so I, it was great. It was a great name for getting started. People remembered it. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what? Like, I actually, so I'm from a different culture, right? So one long, long time ago, I just got here. I'm enthusiastic. So I start uh, a website. I want to invite all the women. It's called the Outdoor Bunnies. <laughs> and then obviously just gone because nobody wants to be a bunny. It didn't work here. No. No. <laughs> So sometimes we have to do these things and, and just see how it goes and find out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, words can certainly... So for, for people who want to start their own business out there, you know? Yeah. Th- think your name wisely. Yeah. Wait, what's that? I mean, think, think your business name wisely. Yes, exactly. It's yeah. important. And I knew it was great for getting started. And I knew I always wanted to change it. And there were years, like four or five years where I knew I wanted to change it, but I didn't know what to change it to. Oh. So I kept the name for much longer. Like, I outgrew it much longer, or much before I changed it. Um, and then when I landed on Athena Rock Climbing, I was like, that's it. I think that's a beautiful and strong name. Us women typically are strong and beautiful. Yeah, yes. definitely. Athena is an awesome goddess, too. She's the mm-hmm. goddess of handicraft, war, and wisdom. She's... She's awesome. So, <laughs> and I'm curious. I saw the original name. I I think I personally think that it's funny, yeah. and uh, uh, you you have the name. Did did you hold some like grudge or like I I should not say grudge. It's just some some sort of uh, oh, I don't even know rebellion kind of sense or um, when I started. It. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I think that is fitting with who I am. I, I, not necessarily rebellious, but liking to do things. I like to do things that maybe others don't like to do. They're just like, they'll hold back because they have more sense than I do, maybe. But I like to be bold. I like to go against the grain and challenge things that are normal. Awesome. So that, that name was fitting for me. It was... You can remember it. It was sassy, sassy a little bit. Yes. You know, it had yeah. some attitude to it, and it was also playful and fun. Um, and most people thought it was funny. I think it's funny. Yeah, yeah. But I also think it's nice that you changed. <laughs> yeah, I lo- I love the new name mm-hmm. for sure. Athena rock climbing. It's good. Yeah. So I started those events in West Virginia, and I had the goal of just running one women's climbing event that season uh, and I did all this work and probably had no idea what I was doing and then ended up hosting three events by the end of the season so that season you had three events yeah which showed me how much of a need there was and what made you start to to want to run women a clinical event or honestly I did it because I wasn't getting as much work as the boys that were around me. So uh, so you start guiding in West Virginia, but you're working for other guy service. Yeah. I see. Yeah. That I had apprenticed at for a couple of years. He, um, the owner of that business is a good family friend of mine. And so I spent many summers in high school apprenticing ah. with with him and his guide service. And... Yeah, then when I moved out there to work there full-time, there were guys that were sort of 
the same age as me, but I had more climbing experience because I grew up rock climbing, and the work was just going to them and going to them. Huh. And I, you know, yeah, I just wanted to change that, and I needed more experience, too. As a new guide, that was what I was lacking, was experience in the field. So I was like, you know, I'm going to start a women's rock climbing event, and then the boys can't take that work from me. <laughs> so me, like, I'm doing the same business, you mean? Yes. Yeah, I see. Exactly. I, see. I started running them through that guide service, Seneca Rocks Mountain Guides. Okay. Um, and it was a it was a huge hit. And then after doing just those three events, and then after getting started, that's when I really saw how valuable women's spaces are. So again, I was really young, and I didn't necessarily know how important it was for women to come together and just in any industry and in anything just for women to be together to be around other women to support each other and I didn't really realize how valuable that was and how much it was lacking in climbing until I built it that saying if you build it they will come yeah that made me curious so uh you say you start running women classes and then Obviously, it was popular, so you you ran more, two more than you intended to. But then, before that, you advertised that like, did women go to your like uh, guy service and then wanted to do stuff? And maybe they said, "Hey, you know, can we have women guys and stuff?" That was the work I was for sure getting. Was anytime somebody requested uh, okay. a female guy, I that see. was the only one on staff. Right. So right. any work I was getting was that. So it. That showed me that there was a market for it, for sure. No one necessarily said we should do like a women's climbing event type thing. Right. To me. I see. Yeah. And then you just figured that, well, they cannot take the work away. So when did you start to venture out on your own? I only did that really like a couple of years ago. Um, Maybe in 2021. So I guided for Seneca Rocks Mountain Guides in West Virginia for six months out of the year. Uh, for seven months out of the year for a really long time. And then in 2015, I moved to Joshua Tree and guided for Cliffhanger Guides. A cliffhanger, yeah. And once I had that seasonal rotation, I worked each season six months. So West Virginia six months, Joshua Tree six months. And then I would continue to run about three to five events throughout the year in either location so I always had this business but it wasn't my it wasn't the only way I made money I always guided for other people also so right now does Athena rock climbing owns permit in Joshua Tree yeah and yeah. also maybe Seneca or not really yeah anywhere okay. we guide we pull our own permits now I um, see. so I started pulling Athena rock climbing permits in 2020 and then I stopped working for other guide services in 2021 and I was like okay I'm gonna dive in and only work for myself full-time um, and then uh, yeah I've been doing that since so it hasn't been too long oh that's interesting because I heard about you for a long time and I kept thinking that you for the whole time that it's like you have your own business yeah, I always had these women's climbing events, but I just really wasn't, I, I, I was 
too nervous to make it my sole means of income until a couple years ago. And then what is what is the turning point or what drove you just like okay now this is the moment. It was kind of like the name change thing. Like I knew it was going to happen at some point um, because. It was time consuming to be out there as a guide working for other guide services. It took a lot of time. It made me really tired. And I, I just wasn't, I didn't have enough time or energy to build my own business, which I knew I wanted to do. So the turning point, I mean, really, I started doing mindset work. I started working with a life coach in 2020, early 2020, or maybe 2019. So, me, so you mean you hire a life coach? I hired I a life coach, yeah. Yeah. And I still work with her now. Um, and really, she's the one that gave me the confidence, the boost to go and she's do like it. like a push. Yeah. Like, she's okay. like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know. I'm just scared. <laughs> me, like, I can understand. It's scary to, you know, run your own business. It's really nice to just have work, to not have to find clients and customers, right? That's what a guide service right. does for a guide is they funnel the people to you. And that was always really, really nice and comforting. Um, but I was always running my business behind the scenes. Right. I was always running these events. And I just realized I had I had my own website. I had my own social media and my own sort of source for clients that I was getting. And I, I really could do this. Like, I had done my time in guiding. Right. Yeah. That it felt like I could absolutely market for myself and get my own customers. Yeah, so basically, you're saying that you, you did all the legwork. So basically, if you hire by a guy service, they should do all, yeah. all those work, right? Because it's, you are so invested in this women-specific uh, classes, so you did all the work. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. But the only thing is you are not getting paid. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I was working twice as hard for half as much money, basically. Um and I don't, I don't regret that. I think it was really good experience. If in West Virginia, it got me into guiding. In Joshua Tree, I had been guiding for about five or so years at that point. Um, so I knew how to guide, but it, working for a guide service gave me community, connected me with people. Um, and of course, it helped me tap into the clients that were already going to those areas. Um, yeah, that kind of made me want to uh, think. So I this summer I interview, so it's an episode twelve. Um, so she and Lonnie, well her name Lonnie Chapko, then she and her partner also just start. Very uh, maybe they they started their own business like two years ago, but mm-hmm. I think they really fully run it like start since this year mm-hmm. but and she said she had no regret just like running it seems like running your own business like if you are in to it it's kind of the way to go yeah I mean I think you have to be I think it's either for you or it's not so you're either wired for it or you're not I know plenty of guys that love to just go guide in the field come home not worry about anything else paperwork mm-hmm. nothing else um and i I just love it. Even the days when I'm like in the park all day exhausted and I'll come home and then have to make a website or fill out park paperwork or, you know, post something on social media, answer a million client emails. I thrive on it. I do like it. 
Um, and then also, uh, what I heard is like financially and scheduling wise, uh, it seems like better for both your physical health and the mental health. What、yeah. do you say? Oh yeah, I get more control over my schedule. It was scary the first season, so I was kind of taking any work that signed up, and then I saw I had plenty of work coming my way, so I could pick and choose more,、uh, and. I can work the days that I want to, also. So working for different guide services allowed me to see the different styles of guiding that you can do out there.、And、I learned that I really like multi-pitch and I really like instructing. So I just try and book those days. I see. So right now, Athena rock climbing. What kind of courses do you offer? We do trad fundamentals, which is basically I treat that as a learning how to second, so learning how to clean gear. How to lead belay, set up propels, that sort of thing. Had to be a really good second in a multi pitch environment or single pitch.、Um, so trad fundamentals, learn to lead. That could be sport or trad. Self rescue, which is my favorite. I love teaching self rescue <laughs> skills. It's so fun. Nice. And、um, big wall courses, and then we just started gym to crag, which is kind of an extension. Yeah. It's kind of an extension of the trad fundamentals,、um, but that is a newer addition. When I started guiding, there weren't a lot of gym to crag courses, and now you see them everywhere. So I see. I started doing those, and then I also saw that you have some sort of mentorship、oh, yeah. program going. And what is that about? The mentorship program is it's for basically it's for people who want long term. Guiding or long-term instruction, so they sign up for like a package, like let's say twelve days throughout the season, and each of those days are discounted. So it's a deal for the client, but more so,、uh, it's just designed so that people come out for three days a month or so and work towards a specific objective or just trying to advance their climbing. So they'll book twelve days at the beginning of the season, and then so for example, what kind of objective are you?、Uh, It can、about? vary. So people might come in and be like, "I want to climb Whitney," or "I want to、oh, climb、okay. El Cap," and we are gonna, or "I want to climb Devil's Tower," and we will spend twelve sessions training towards that. Most people are just trying to advance their trad climbing that I've worked with so far. The mentorship programs are new,、um, but. That just came from I host all these two to three day courses, and you know it took you way longer than two or three days to learn all of this stuff, right?、So、Definitely. People <laughs> come out and they just get completely overwhelmed with information, and then they never practice it again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that mentorship program was like, how can I really? Teach people and really help them be better. Oh, I can make them keep coming back <laughs>、mm-hmm. and、yeah. just push them to get out. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually I'm not officially doing that type of stuff, but I do have some long-term clients,、mm-hmm. and it's like similar. Just like you can't just have a learn to lead course, and then they just like, oh, when what's next? Yeah, right. So it's still like just like you think that you hire life coach, you will kind of like. A progression coach and kind of thing to help them、yeah. along the way. Exactly. Yeah, that's actually where it came from. Was having long term clients. Yes, I worked with for a long time, 
and just saw them get better. And I was like, well, that's how you do it. That's how you get better. <laughs> Definitely, though. I right. It's. I mean, I we. I. I don't know. I got better from trying to find more experience to climb with. But it's not yeah. like everybody is so they're just diving because that's why eventually I became a guide. But it's not like everybody want to be mm-hmm. a guide, right? Yeah. They have probably a better paid job. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They're more uh, sensible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But they can still have good goals and then, right, then we can help them. Yeah. Yeah. And right now that mentorship program is, I've only ever done the whole thing in Joshua Tree, but the goal is to I get see. it nationwide. So and, to be okay. able to use those days in West Virginia or Joshua Tree or the Black Canyon is the other place that... In Colorado. In mean? Colorado, yeah. I see. And then you also have permit in Black Canyon. Yeah. I see. Um, and that way, you're encouraging people. I mean, that's how you get better at climbing also. You do it a lot, but you do it in a lot of different places. Definitely. You get more experience that way. So those are still new, the mentorship programs, but I think they're really valuable. I think so, too. So you mean how, how new is it? Just one, one time you have run it? or Yeah, this last season... Um, I ran two of them. Okay. And then with one mentorship program, how many participants do you have? It's one-on-one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. It's one-on-one. That's intense. It's really... Like, I mean, not... I mean, intense in a way of they've really got a lot of attention. Oh, they get a lot of attention. And after each session, they get a write-up for me that's like, this is exactly what we did. This is what you did well. This is what you need to improve on. This is what we'll do next time. Nice. It's like, I, t- I probably take rock climbing a little too seriously. People are I, like, I'm not reading this when I get home. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, sometimes I I feel the same way. I'm like, you know, uh, but then they they say, you know, Tintin, that's your goal. It's not my goal. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah, I have people come out for the self-rescue course especially where they're like, can we climb? I'm like, no, we're just descending <laughs> ropes with friction hitches. And they're like, this isn't fun anymore. I'm like, it's not supposed to be fun. You're training. And they're like, we want to have a little fun. <laughs> that kind of reminds me that, you know, I, I came here to teach SPI course. So then I say the first day, I say, look, this course, you're not going to be climbing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get that out of your brain. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, I can understand. It can be frustrating. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm glad and so so how what what do you see what what do you see from this mentorship program from your participants? I see it working. Yeah, awesome. I think that a lot of times with rock climbing, it comes down to the individual. Like you said, you just went out and you went for it, and it kind of became your life. And so it comes down to the person eventually just going out and doing things on their own, like having that confidence and will. And, yeah. drive to be like okay I'm gonna go do this big scary thing and that's a harder thing to teach I can teach all kinds of skills but it's like yes. I don't, do you want to go rock climbing I don't know you don't have to go rock climbing <laughs> right at the end of the day right yeah. but I've seen it work um it's by far the best way to actually learn to work with a professional for a dozen days I mean that would have fast-tracked my learning yeah I I actually wish I just I also I help a few clients on their past. I was just like, wow, I kind of wish this, you know, in the past I have somebody to have this organized coach, you know, not just like 
random mentor. Oh, okay, you can follow me, and then you pick up whatever you pick up, right? Yes, right. I think that's coming in rock climbing. Rock climbing in America, especially, is just so. It's so young, as, okay. as a yeah. business, mm-hmm. it's even younger. Right. Um, so it is sort of this mismatch. It's disorganized. You're working with a bunch of different mentors. You know, people with a little bit more experience and. Yes, all the time in my courses, I hear myself say things, and I'm like, if someone had just told me that, <laughs> I would have been so much better, so much more quickly. <laughs> yeah, and then I think I think just like you said, the people start to recognize that because on the performance climbing side, uh-huh. right? So now it's all sorts of training program, right? Bouldering like six weeks finger training program, and coaches, right? And yeah. so. But then nobody thinks that actually uh, in the adventure climbing side, you can have an organized program and progress in a, in a non-scary way. Yes, yeah. totally. And it's harder with outdoor climbing mm-hmm. because everything's so situational. That's what makes climbing hard to learn. You do one thing in one environment, completely different thing in a different environment. And I think when people are trying to learn, they want sort of a cookie cutter black and white like this is step one through ten this is what you're gonna do and you're like well that's not really how rock climbing works like you're gonna see where you are you're gonna see what gear you have so I understand why it's disorganized I mean putting my curriculum together is one thing I'm really proud of because it's hard to do that so you you don't just put together a curriculum you put together a curriculum based off of the people's experience right you you have to know this person yeah yes and so after guiding for a long time i i feel like i know the types of people that are coming out climbing experience wise so i can be like oh this person has never climbed outside before but they have a will to lead their quickest way to be climbing outdoors is to learn how to lead sport i see or this person is has never climbed outside before. They are, you know, older. They're like mid sixties. They maybe they're out of shape and they don't ever want to lead. Not just because of those things, but also just because they're like, this isn't for me. I'm not getting on the sharp end. Okay, what's the quickest way to help that person climb outside on their own? They can learn how to build top rope anchors off of bolts or natural pieces of protection. So I've like thought about and seen and observed the clients that come and then made a curriculum based off of that it's like okay if you get this person do this thing and this will be the general flow nice well I, I'm excited for you and I'm excited to see this program grow yeah. you know and then we will have more people and then you know I'll, maybe I'll have my own mentees yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I think that could be a great way too and that's what I hope to do with my guide team is these mentees will get to work with a lot of different professionals so and which is actually important yes i think yeah yeah it, all the teaching shouldn't come from me you know it's mm-hmm. way more valuable if they work with so many different styles and people from like different background experience yes I, I i yes definitely i want to find a way to like sort of mix and match with other guide services that are out there too just for that because true it's really about that it's like you need to go to wyoming and climb with yeah. this person we or... need you maybe us female guys podcast you know with all this female guy we have to think about right this. and then um i i think that 
I definitely see a lot of uh, women, they are underperforming. Yes. Yes. For whatever reason. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I, it's, it's a too, too much to dig into to figure out what the reasons are. But I, I certainly think it's out there. A lot of people, women can perform to their full potential. Yeah. I mean, what that made me think of was right before the name change. I, I, yes, I do that all the time also as a woman. Mm-hmm. I, I underperform. I sort of think of it like I have to hide my light type thing. I, have to, I don't want to shine too bright. I, I don't want to oh, try. Okay. I, I don't know. That's where my brain went when he said that. And like when I started out my business, I didn't want myself on social media at all. I didn't want pictures of me. I didn't want my name out there. Like I tried to do the whole business without showing any part of me. Yeah, I kind of can understand that. Yeah, because I was, uh, I was, and I probably still is one of the few female guys in Red Rock. Mm-hmm. But somehow the, I just like you know I don't really need people to know me. Right. I felt the same way. It was like this isn't about me. Right. And again, my life coach was like. If you're hiding yourself okay. because of whatever issues you have to unpack, you're kind of telling other women that they should also hide themselves, that they, it's not okay for them to self-promote. And if you promote yourself and you have good energy behind it, and it's not in, you know, it's not in this arrogant way, but it's for this greater good, then people will feel that energetically, and they'll see you do it. They'll see you putting yourself out there, and they'll be like, hey, I can do that. Mm. And then I once it wasn't about me anymore. I was like, I can post a picture and of myself and boost somebody else and empower somebody else. Well, then I'll do it. I'll do it for that reason. I yeah, I can understand. You know, because <laughs> I can never talk my stuff, yes. but then I can share what I learn. Yes, for sure. From past failures and glories or whatever yeah yeah definitely so that made me very curious like so how long have you been working with this life coach i know she's awesome i'll give you her information (laughs) and then she works what made you want to have a life coach that is something I'm really curious about still. I don't know what and it just exactly. happened, like, being, like, light bulb moment that you wanted to hire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I just wanted to be better in general. And I was like, yeah, somebody that can help me be better, I'll sign up for that. But it happened, her name's Marta, and I can't pronounce her na- last name because I never try to. <laughs> If I tried to, I'm sure I could do it. She's Polish. She's lovely. But um, she, it was during 2020, I was doing, you know, we all took to the computer and I was like doing self-rescue courses via Zoom, which was a very comical time for me. (laughs) And I (laughs) invited Marta to come on and talk to the Zoom participants about mindset stuff around climbing. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I reconnected with her in years. She's actually took me up. She took me at my first big wall ever, a lot when I was like twenty years old. Um, so she came on Zoom and she gave us some tips for climbing mindset. And I was like, wow, she really knows what she's doing. It took it from this sort of lofty, intangible thing to once I heard what was coming out of her mouth, I was like, oh, that's really helpful information. 
And then she offered everybody there a free session. And I was like, well, I'll do that. And I did a free session. Okay, and maybe I'll pull her in the show now. Yeah, she's awesome. Okay. Um, and she, I did that free session with her and got a lot out of it. And then I just decided I'm going to work with her. And I was in a really different place. I was in school online, so I was trying to finish my bachelor's degree online. I was working for other guide services. Um, I was in a relationship that didn't necessarily serve me. So, and then after about a year of working with her, all those things changed. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, um, of course, I know that Marty, you said? Marty, okay. yeah. Like, Mar- Martar, okay. Mm-hmm. It's pretty professional and pretty helpful and everything. And But I think everybody probably at some point just need somebody help them to right that's what i realized yes you know because i in the past i just said you know i'm gonna figure this all out on my own yeah right but first of all why why do i have to yeah. and why can i go a smarter way mm-hmm. right yeah no exactly and i'm very much the like i can do it myself mm-hmm. it's hard for me to ask for help type person um and it's made all the difference for me. I, I think I realized that, like, I just need somebody helping me with life. I spend an hour mm-hmm. every couple of weeks just talking about myself and where I'm going and what I'm doing. And it was actually interesting, like, when I started working with her, I was, like, a life coach. There's not much official, there's no, like, degree for that. There aren't, there aren't... True. You know what I mean? I was like, it's kind of this rogue thing. I know, because... I- in the past, I was very skeptical. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm still, though. I'm still skeptical. I was super skeptical when I started. Mm-hmm. And I've learned a lot more. You can get certs. And oh, okay. I believe. I don't know that world super well. But there was just that whole, like, oh, there's no degree for this. Like, why not go see a therapist instead of a life coach? Like, and I compared it to guiding actually yeah actually i just thought about it like yeah. in the past right nobody have any no cert of some sort yeah. yeah it was about your experience and how well you trained yourself and the type of person you were um and you can have really you can have highly certified guides that aren't actually really that amazing at guiding they're safe and everything <laughs> But you can have less certified guys, you know, that hold a lower certification that are phenomenal, phenomenal guiding right. guides. And um, just so everybody know, Kelly and I both are certified in some way, and yes. we are phenomenal too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's true. And then yes. sometimes, like in this case, right. you get both. Yes, true. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I compared it to that, and I was like, it comes down to the person and their personal life experience. Just like in guiding, it comes down to your climbing experience and your guiding experience. Definitely. That's going to make the difference. Yeah. I mean, I, I always say this nowadays, certainly say, well, you have this base level of expertise. Mm-hmm. But then the last thing beyond that, it's like no sir can really say it justice, I think. No, definitely yeah. not. They do a good job, both the PCGI mm-hmm. and the AMGA, and I know there's other ones too, but those are kind of the two biggest. They do a good job of helping you learn your systems, but there's nothing like getting out there and doing it yourself. Definitely. Um, 
since we're talking about certification, I know that you went to the PCGI mm-hmm. route. So PCGI is what professional climbing guides institute. Guides institute. Yeah. So is there any particular reason that you choose PCGI over the AMGA, which is the route I took? Um, the main reason at the time was the cost. So it was more affordable to do the PCGI route. Um, and I did courses with both when I was brand new to guiding. I did AMGA and I did PCGI. Um, and I had a way more positive experience with the PCGI. So in addition to that cost and then just having a more positive experience. And I think that comes down to the instructor that you get. Definitely. You yeah, know, that's totally random and you don't always get to pick that. So... Um, it's not just it's not a reflection of the whole organization but the courses I had were better I I had a more positive experience with the PCGI Um, that was the main reason and I still seek out AMGA certs I can actually go back and forth on this all the time um, because it is the highest standard internationally and in this country for sure so there's a part of me that always that is like, I need to get AMGA certified in order to prove my worth in this industry. Okay. That's this feeling that I have. And I talk myself down from that mm. every year. I think I do this. Right. I go through a cycle every year. <laughs> um, because it is in the guiding industry, but not that many clients know the difference between certs or even they just don't know that much about it mm-hmm. and it's starting to be more prevalent but there aren't that many guide services that like only hire AMGA guys or only hire PCGI guys so yeah it doesn't really matter there and then now at this stage I don't work for other guide services right Yes. I don't think I ever will again. <laughs> I mean I can understand yeah once you go into this entrepreneur route so it'll be hard to turn around yeah it is so I just I don't know that I really need that AMGA cert but there is something that picks at me and it's probably my ego just being like I need to be the best I need to have the best highest certification that anybody could have yeah um I Kind of can understand that a little bit. It's uh, a little bit sad to mention the late Amy Barnes when I interviewed her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was on episode four. And she said that one of her biggest regrets, probably like he didn't take the dive to get the pin. Even mm-hmm. though, I mean, way back then, you know, she got in all discipline and then she's totally, she was totally capable. And nobody would doubt that she deserves used to already way beyond yeah. the pain. But still, uh, she had that little sadness when she talked about that. Yeah. yeah. It makes you feel like you're laughing yeah. in some way. And I don't know how real that feeling is. I mean, somebody like that that's like just put their time in in the mountains and is clearly really good at what they do and at their trade, then... That should speak for itself. I would think so, especially she was at that era that where pain was not even, you know, nowadays like in the guy community, we, we kind of know about yeah. it. 
right? But back then, I feel like it's not really that significant. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the AMG only started in the 80s, in like 86. Yeah. Um, I think like 1979. And okay. the only reason I knew is because it was uh, my brother's birth year. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, that's a that's a young organization, definitely too, and yeah. it's evolved a lot. Um, and that was the other the thing you said made me think of it too. I decided with the PCGI, like I didn't ever want a guide. I didn't ever want to be a ski guide or so an ice guide. So PCGI doesn't have ski program, or I I don't know no. anything about PCGI. I think they only go up, it's the equivalent of the rock guide or the advanced rock guide. I meant to look this up before we chatted. Okay, because <laughs> oh, maybe people can go to their website. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But they, they stop it at rock, so you're not supposed to be doing any grade fives. Oh. Um, so, like, I couldn't guide El Cap. I see. Well, I, I can because I can work in Yosemite. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Even though technically I can guide big walls. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. In the scope of practice. But Yosemite, yeah, the permit is another issue. Yeah. So that's also, so, this might be a very good way <laughs> for me that, so um, I think that in United States, the permit is definitely the biggest uh, hurdle for uh, starting your own business. Yes. And uh, so in Joshua Tree, I don't really know about the East Coast, but I definitely know the Joshua Tree is one of the easiest yeah. places to get. So I heard this number um, recently say here we, they in Joshua Tree, there are 44 guy services. That sounds about right in terms of, they might be talking about commercial use authorization permits. Okay. Which I actually think is a higher number. I think it's in the 60s. You mean including like hiking and or just climbing? That's what that would be for. That okay. number, a CUA right. is just, yeah, a permit for hiking, um, anything, photography, weddings have to pull a permit. Oh, yeah, right, wedding. Like that. yeah. That's um, what happened the most outdoor activity in Red Rise wedding. Really? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's uh-huh. pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Do they limit those permits? Uh, wedding? Um, I don't know. Mm. Uh, I don't know about other activity. Um, maybe they do. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's pretty easy to get in a permit in Joshua Tree in the sense that they don't limit them at all as of right now. There's no limit on the number of permits. So there's no cap. There's no cap. Interesting. Yeah. So what do you think about it? Um, I mean, I benefited from it, right? I came in in 2015 and I was, I pulled a permit in 2020. So I benefited from that. I have seen it since 2020 change a lot, meaning there's way more guides and there's way more independent guides. Right. Just since 2020, especially. Um, when I moved here in 2015, it felt like. I mean, there's probably five to seven main guide services in Joshua Tree that I could think of off the top of my head that have been here for years. And and then there were a few guide services operating out of, like, San Diego um, or 
So LA. you mean they are basing San Diego? Yes, sorry. And then they guide in Joshua Tree. Okay. A little bit, like every now and again. So that started happening. Interesting. So they bring group from there, yeah. but then they don't have guide station here. Or... Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, or like REI has a Joshua Tree permit. Yeah, know, they, of course. Um, I actually don't know if they have a Joshua Tree permit. Okay. They guide out in LA and then they can come out to Joshua Tree. I think they do guide out here. I don't know 100% on that. Okay. But those permits would be... So there are a lot. I, I would believe the number of 44 in terms of independent guides and then people from other areas traveling in yeah. to guide here. Um, so for me, it's just like I know that um, also some other guys that I talked to other guys are reading Joshua Tree it's like it's definitely like ridiculous to say in Yosemite there's only one yes right but it's also like when there's no cap it seems like it's also kind of I don't know so it seems like is there a happy median or or you should just go free market or like all of those things I mean I think it's interesting I think we'll see in the next Five years or so what happens here in Joshua Tree because I don't think it started to feel saturated until like 2020 oh so so you mean that before 2020 is still yeah it felt like there were still just those five to seven let's call it seven guide services okay and they had the bulk of the work and those were the main guides that you were running into in the park and it really wasn't probably till 2021 let's say after pandemic and everything, that I started seeing people guiding that I'd never seen before. And why do you think that that 2020 it kind of made that cut? I I mean that's an interesting question. I think I mean California was hard during the pandemic, so right, and it hit our season really hard because we have a winter season. So then flu season would start, and, <laughs> and that just hit us so hard. Whereas other places got more work during 2020 like summer of 2020 guides in west virginia had way too much work yeah to do in red rock obviously we don't have work in summer but the fall was crazy yeah 2020, yes um so i think people just started going outside more yeah in, yes in 2020 and then i also think climbing got more popular mm-hmm. free solo came out first and then we were in the olympics you yes. know and Climbing's like making it now. There's more climbing gyms and definitely there's way more people doing it. Then um, made me wonder how many gyms in LA. <laughs> the climbing gyms in yeah, um, yeah, interesting. But I do you think that at the place that uh, like Joshua Street, that whoever can have a permit is that hard to thrive or what's your strategy to thrive yeah i i mean it's interesting we will see right now it seems like the market can sustain it like there's enough work for everybody to still make a living that's how it feels right now anyway uh i think the biggest guide service in joshua tree runs probably on average four trips a day Oh, okay. So they're sending out four guides to maybe on the weekend six trips a day. So that gives you an idea. That's the biggest guide service in Joshua Tree. Um, and that's not an insane amount of trips. Right. Um, but so it feels like we can still get work. I hope that we can. I, 
I have two thoughts happening at once here, but my biggest fear truly isn't like, is there going to be enough work to feed everybody? Because I kind of believe in capitalism in that way. I'm like free market, the, the may the best guide service win type thing. Bring it on. Let's saturate the market. Let's have a million guide services <laughs> and see how long y'all last. Um, I do believe in capitalism in that way. I think it works and is effective and then people will leave if it's not for them. Um, but what I don't want to see happen is the culture change. The community vibe in Joshua Tree is so good. Like there is just such healthy competition in this small town. You mean the amount of guy service? Yeah. I see. You, you see other guides from other guide services and they're your friends. Like you're going to go eat dinner with them afterwards. It's just not like cutthroat. No. It's not cutthroat at all. Um, you're constantly talking each other up. You're sending each other clientele. Um, it just really feels like we work together really well. We share the cliff well out there. Most guides in Joshua Tree, if they drive up or walk up and they see another climber, they're going to turn away um, or they're going to figure out how to share the cliff with the other guide service. And I would, I've seen those things start to change a little bit with guides that have come in and they don't know the vibe at all. And they sort of come in with this, like, I have arrived and I'm going to have a chip on my shoulder and be a little rude to you just because that's maybe how things happen at their home crag. So that's the one thing that I'm really afraid of changing or happening. I see. Yeah. But I was hope or think that, I mean, I personally believe that like guys should work together, right? Mm. Because even like we both are female guys, we both teach rock climbing, but we have different things to offer. We should collaborate rather than compete. I agree. hundred percent. And then things, I the reason I feel like we should, like guys should collaborate is to make the climbing community bigger than this is more demands that everybody can have work. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I feel the same way and not everybody feels that way. Right. I think it's happening more. I do think that guy work is already hard enough. I still, I don't have other en- energy to like compete <laughs> with like cutthroat with like other yeah, guys definitely yeah yeah the small town that I lived in before Seneca Rocks that's where I guided there it was cutthroat competition and like Ooh. not good vibes between guys between guides and that changed when I started my business and I started hiring female guides and they were like my best friends Um, And maybe some guides worked for the other guide service. And I was like, come run this event with me. And then we were friends. And then everyone was like, oh, we don't have to hate each other anymore. Nice. You change your vibe. Nice. (laughs) Just women. That's the power of women. (laughs) We're like, we don't know what's going on with you guys, but we like each other. Right. (laughs) And we're going to go climbing together. Uh Right. Definitely. (laughs) Nice. But here in Joshua Tree, it seems okay. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't think about that is this market going to get too saturated and worry about it a little bit so far so good i think the guide services that have been here for a really long time there's people that have climbed here for 30 years i think they're well established and they will always do well as long as they keep changing (laughs) yeah i guess from where i'm coming from is uh you know in red rock it's like for commercial 
climbing permit holder,、yeah. and that is it. Yeah. So I just I can't even be an independent guide.、Right. So that's like, and and then I'm like you. I always have all sorts of ideas.、Mm-hmm. So I just like oh, I kind of want to like implement it, but it's just kind of hard. So sometimes I'm like envious of people like who live here. Yeah. Yeah. But here, just not that much Asian food. <laughs> Okay, the food in general is pretty terrible here. <laughs> It's very true. Twenty Nine Palms has a little bit more、okay. going on,、yeah. just a little bit. So, so for me, it was like, oh, I need some Asian Chinese style vegetables. You can get that in Vegas for sure. Yeah, I can get a lot of good food in Vegas. One thing good about that. Yeah. yeah.、Mm-hmm. I don't know. I do think there's a happy medium. If I saw a lottery happen in Joshua Tree and they only gave away five permits, that would be devastating. Yeah. Uh, so it feels like there could be more than five,、mm-hmm. but maybe a cap at some point. I know、yeah. on the east side of the Sierra,、uh, where I have pulled permits before too, they do it a little different. It front country days are pretty unlimited, and you could just get a permit for like guiding in the front country, but back country is limited, and they do it based off of user days. So, one client is one user. So if you guide one day with six、right. people, then that's six user days. Yes. Um, and I that is an extension of just them trying to sort of manage crowds in the backcountry in general. Definitely, yeah. That I te- I can understand from the conservation point of view for、yeah. sure because the rest guys working in the outdoor are also steward of the land. Right. Yeah. So,、uh, but in, in yeah, it is. There's a, a lot of issues, but I just. Because I teach SPI courses, they always ask students. Always just like, you know, how much do we get paid? Like, <laughs> that is the question. <laughs> how how easy to get work?、Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is like not one sentence that I, <laughs> I, you know, I can't answer in one sentence, and it's very complex. I'm still figuring it out. Yeah, myself, right? Because. It's it's definitely hard to be an independent guy in the United States.、Mm-hmm. There's only a few. I know a few places the permit is relatively easier to get. Yeah. But definitely not like everybody would love Joshua Tree or everybody would love the particular place. So then, yeah. Then they face different.、Uh, yeah, and even if there's no lottery on the permit, it costs money. So as an independent guide, if you have、yes. one or two clients, right, and you want to take them to. Joshua Tree. You want to take them to an area like? Is it financially worth it to pull a permit there? I don't know. Is- uh, yes, definitely. Right, especially the insurance is also getting more and more expensive. Yes, I、yeah. know. The insurance is the business side of things that feels like it could change a lot in guiding. Like I think it's still really new. Right. To insure a guide service, and so we get lumped in with other activities that are bigger. Yeah, and I I heard that this year they say the insurance premium just shot sky high. Did you get affected? Yeah, definitely. Everything was more expensive. My insurance company actually reached out and wanted more money in the middle of the year, and I was like, "That's not how this works." So it's not yearly. <laughs> It is yearly.、Oh, okay.、Um, I don't know what was happening with that. Basically, I. Gave a low estimate the following year, and so then they did an audit, and they were like, "You had more clients than you estimated for," and so now we want that money. 
So the premise is also based on your gross income kind of thing. Yeah. A little, but it seems like an unfair And how percentage. do they know, though? They are not IRS. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. It is an honesty system. I see. I'm just curious. Yeah. yeah. They could do an audit like they did with me, and they'll want to see, like, invoices and that sort of thing. Oh, uh, okay. So so they have the right to do that, as you're saying. Yeah. I don't think they have the right to be, like, in the middle of the year, be like, you need to give us 900 more dollars right. or more yeah. money. Um, that can happen the, when you re-up the policy, I think, is a okay. more ethical yeah. way to do that. Um, but it just... The insurance is a huge amount of the cost of running a guide service. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, to get permits for every single location, it's it's just a... It is hard to be an independent guide and to do that. Right. It definitely and then to. rental gear is the other... Oh, yeah. Right. Really expensive thing. You need to store it. You need to maintain it. You need to have it. <laughs> yeah, you need to have it. So you kind of have to estimate, right? Mm-hmm. So how much you need to have it. Yeah. Like, I'm curious in the in a more common size of shoes, how many pairs do you have to keep? Yeah, I know it's a lot. I'm still playing that game, figuring okay. it out. Right. Um, but at least four pairs of shoes in the like size six to eleven range. It's always someone's always two elevens. Like you get two clients and they're both size eleven or they're both size. Yes, yeah, yeah, those common. And then you size. get the really little ones, just in case you get little kids, you know and. Right, you do and that for all the gear, and I then you gotta maintain it. Right, and also like maybe like plus size harness, and then like for um, pregnant or yeah. full size harness and all that, right? Yeah, Whew. that's the barrier to entry with like having your own guide service. Um, and I think it's important for new guides to remember that, or anyone that wants to be an independent guide, because it can seem like I know that when you're guiding for other companies it's easy to feel like you're out there doing all the work and you give away more than 50% of the pay of the money. Yeah, because day. like as a guy being high, they don't know how to calculate overhead, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you just have to remember the insurance and the liability that comes with that um, and all of the gear and then finding the clients and, and that sort of thing. Yes. I mean, to just be an independent, just to be a guide for another guide service is really expensive. And we were kind of talking about this before. It's really challenging to make a living as a guide, period, even if you're guiding for somebody else, because you need a new rack or new climbing shoes or you need pants without holes in them. <laughs> Especially Joshua, actually your pants probably wear out really fast. Seriously, I know. I was like, I brought my brand new approach shoes, and now I just like, look, you know, my approach shoes seem like a month old. I know. <laughs> you can tell Joshua Tree Local because they will be out there climbing with pants that have a reinforced, <laughs> like a big patch over their butt. I need, I need this. You need it here. <laughs> I do. And like these pants, this outdoor gear is expensive, even right. with the Pro Deal. Yes. You know, it's so expensive, and if I can... I could wear a pair of pants for a week in Joshua Tree and then have a hole in the butt, which is like the worst place when you're guiding. You're like, great. <laughs> this is good. Yeah. So just maintaining the gear and the certs just to be a guide that works for somebody else, it's really, really challenging. Yeah. 
definitely. So it's kind of nice to hear from because you work for other people and also now you run your own business like standing on the different side of uh, the business. And then, then what made you want to be a guide then? Hmm. It kind of just happened. Uh, so I started working at a climbing gym when I was 13. Well, I had to get like a work permit in Maryland. Are you in 13, can you, could you, could you legally work? With a work permit, I could. So uh, I had to have my parents sign it and like a teacher sign it or something like I that. I see. Um, and then I started working at the climbing gym in Maryland, just playing for birthday parties. And I worked there until the end of high school. Um, okay. So eventually went on to like lead uh, classes for learning to lead or movement classes or the rec team and that sort of thing. Wow, you started your, your guiding career young. I did, I know, because I grew up rock climbing I see. with my parents. And when I found the climbing gym for the first time at like 13, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I was like, you can climb at night. You can climb when it's raining. You can climb all the time here. It's awesome. And I found community. So I, that's how I started working in the industry. And then in the summer, I would apprentice at Seneca Rocks Mountain Guides, and I basically just did top rope days for them, or like help them clean their shop, or that sort of thing, whatever 16, 17-year-old can do at a guide service. And then that, I went to college at University of Maryland, Baltimore County, for a year and a half, like three semesters, and I just noticed that I kept driving to Seneca Rocks three hours away. I changed my schedule so that I didn't have class on Monday or Friday. And I was like, I'm spending a lot of time rock climbing in West Virginia. So you just go to college for rest days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I went on a music scholarship. So it was like another sort of passion. I had music, music and rock climbing. And I just saw that rock climbing was winning. And I was making yeah. more time for it. Right. And it's, it's both hard to make a lot of money. <laughs> and they're, yeah, neither of which are good career moves. <laughs> but I was having lots of fun. Nice. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I just decided to move out to Seneca Rocks. I was dating somebody at the time that helped with the decision. I moved closer to them. And I found that I loved it and I just and then basically I could have signed up for another semester of school or I could have worked at this guide service and gone and climbed my first big wall ever I couldn't do both <laughs> and I made the decision to go climb a wall nice. and to work at the guide service I quit my job as a waitress <laughs> and I started guiding and I didn't think I would do it forever or I at least out loud told people that I wouldn't do it forever and ev everybody telling me it's not a sustainable living there's no future with it like this is gonna this is great for right now Kelly but you need to figure out what you're gonna it's do like, okay now you're still young so it's good yeah that type of thing and I was no. like yeah definitely I'll, I'm only gonna do this for a couple of years mm -hmm. and then I I found I started these women's climbing events Right. And I was like, I I feel needed in this space. I feel like I have something to offer that I can really offer people. And I just found my rhythm. And right. It felt so, like it called to me. So at any point that you quit for a very short period of time? 
Oh. Ah, okay. Since 2010, that has been the only source of income, guiding. It was hard the first few years. I, there were years where I lived on like $12,000 a year. Like 2010 and 2011, okay. I lived mm-hmm. on like pennies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just saw that I had to kind of take this entrepreneurial route and then also just guide more. So guide a little bit more year round. And once I, I started, really once I started coming out to Joshua Tree and working year round, that's how I was able to make it a sustainable living. I see. So what do you think? Now you think this is a real job? <laughs> yeah, I think so, for sure. For as real as it gets for me, I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, it definitely is a real job. But what I meant by, you know, people always think you can't punch too. It's like not sustainable. You're going to wear out your body and then blah, 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 and blah. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that I have found my security in it. You know, my dad said to me, he's like, you can choose to get a job where you got a paycheck every two weeks and you'll have that security or you can go work for yourself, basically, which is what a guide essentially is doing. And you will never know when you're going to get your money, but you know that you can make it any day that you want. You have control over your schedule. I see. Yeah. So you get paid by a different type of way. Yeah, and basically he was saying one's secure and one is not secure. And I sort of took that and I said, I actually think both are pretty insecure. Like, the, yes, there's this illusion of security that a nine to five with a salary can give you. And it is great, for sure. That getting a paycheck every two weeks and you can get benefits, those things are real. But anything can happen in life. You can have an injury you could end up having to move to take care of somebody or yourself or that business could shut down the government could shut down um like a, a pandemic could happen like a whole number of unknown things could happen out there and i wanted to be in control of what i did on a daily basis basically yeah so i've i've made a sustainable living out of it um And I also knew, like, everybody told me you can't make a living, but I knew of these guides, these mostly men that owned guide services all over the country and made great living. They had, like, wives and kids. And I was like, (laughs) so they can do it, but I can't do it? No. I think I can do it, you know? Nice. I mean, definitely there are people out there that make a living out of this. Yes. Definitely. So you said that, well, you, it seems like uh, starting the women class is kind of like a very critical point for you. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you need it, you contribute, you, uh, and then other than that, or if you want to elaborate on that, it's just like, what, what do you get the most fulfillment out of your job? Yeah, I love, I do love guiding. The women's events that I do, I don't know why I'm surprised every time, but I'm still surprised at the end of each weekend how empowered I feel afterwards. Like you feel. Yeah, me personally. Or I look at my guide team and I can see them glowing with this like feeling of empowerment of like, we could do anything. Should we just take over the world right now? Because I'm pretty sure we could. 
Um, and that happens at the end of every women's climbing weekend that I host. Beautiful. I just, I can't believe it. And I don't do anything to create that other than just providing a space for where people can, like-minded women can come together and boost each other up. And I can't quite put words to what that is. That camaraderie, that connection, it's just so giving. Um, So I, I do love that in my guiding. I love working with other women. And then just guiding in general, like we were saying before, it took me forever to learn how to rock climb. But I've seen myself teach people, and they pick it up in two days. Like, someone comes out for a learn-to-lead course with me two days later, they will be leading trad. And so I've seen it work. I've seen it change people's lives. Uh, My best friend and the best guide that I have, she was a client of mine who never trad climbed before, had barely climbed ever, and now she's a climbing guide and a really good one. Um, she'll probably get her pin and outrank me here soon. Um, There's no rank. Yeah. <laughs> or there's someone else who, like, I've just seen people's lives change. And you and I know how life-changing rock climbing can be. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to provide that for other people, I'm like, yeah, you can have a different way of life. You can be outside Definitely. more than you are inside if you want. Mm-hmm. You can push yourself to do hard, scary things. So I love that. That's really fulfilling. Like someone, one of my clients just moved out to Joshua Tree. You know, just like, I'm leaving Santa Cruz. I'm moving to Joshua Tree. You're like, all right, cool. Okay, you yes. are taking to this lifestyle. Like you're going for it. Nice. Um, and then I also... I still remember what you said. I'm living in my van. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's probably what I'm most... That's probably what's most fulfilling to me. Just showing people that there is a different way to live life, too. Nice. I think being in the guiding world and climbing world so much, I actually forgot how important it is because I'm around it all the time. So I forgot how different it was from like what's going on out there in the world. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Until like my mother passed away six months ago and I, it's, it's been about a year, but I was taking care of her for six months before that. And so I was in the DC area and I just got to see, I was like, Oh, this is what most people's lives are like. Like Mm. most of people in this country are sitting in traffic and going to a job that they don't really love. Um, and seeing their coworkers more than their family and, flicking each other off in traffic like it's wild what is happening out there in the world and I got I got desensitized to how beautiful this way of life really is because because it just came normal yeah 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 and I think it gives like my big wall climbing my guiding helped me so much while I was taking care of my mom it just, I think if you can go climb big walls and you can operate under pressure and in stress. You just say more resilient. You're more resilient, yeah. And you're calm when in an emergency situation. You have to be. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're just, we put ourselves in a stressful environment all the time. So yeah. when life becomes stressful, those little nuggets 
like stayed with me and are like yeah. I'm like I can do this. Definitely, I just like okay now I will make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Nice. Well, it's it's kind of nice like you know even just talking with you I'm not like in you know we are not like guiding a women group but. I think you know it's kind of nice to talk to like fellow female guys to, you know, sometimes I just work day after day. I just like, gee, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. And then you forgot like the, the good times. Right. Yeah. That's、mm-hmm. why it's important to gather. I mean, yeah. You're just constantly trying to find a balance. I think the saying is true that like the grass is always greener. <laughs> so like, sure, it'd be nice to have a job that gave me. Health insurance or the four one four one k. Yeah, yeah, that would be really nice. Right. But it's also really nice to walk outside and to know what the weather's gonna be, just because I know what the clouds are doing. Or like, I'm、mm. just to be able to hear a bird call and to be like, that animal is in distress or is trying to find a mate. Or so to have an opportunity to be so connected with the real world, with the with nature, it's. It's just such a blessing,、nice. and I have that to fall back on on my days where I'm like, "What am I doing out here?" Which happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, we yes, we are not gonna lie.、Right? Yeah, it still can be stressful. Totally. Yeah, and it is tiring. Mm-hmm. And hard on your body, and you don't make a lot of money, and that sort of thing. But I wouldn't trade it. And at this point, I don't know if I just like don't have other skills to offer the world, or if I'm just stuck in the world of rock guiding. <laughs> Well,、uh, this is really what I love to do, but so far so good. I, I mean, you, you definitely you know you strike、uh, strike out for you know doing your business. That's different set of skills. That's true, right? Yes. So other than teaching climbing, you definitely have different set of skills. That's true. I、And、can build a mean website off of Wix. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, um, I I ask these questions for all my guests. It's like. If you can pick, I know it's hard because you probably have a lot of moments, but like the proudest moment that just right now at this moment come in your mind to, sh- to share, in guiding or in climbing, just in general, in yeah, anything, in anything. Whoa, It could be got even bigger. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> um. It's so funny the way my brain works. It goes into categories, you know. It's like, well, in this world, it's this that I'm most proud of. But、um, I can only say one answer. You can share. So let's let's hear one, and maybe you can share two. We'll start there. Well, the one that came to mind first, since that is what you asked in this moment.、Um, it's not necessarily uplifting, but I am proud of. I had a really hard year this past year with my mother being sick and dying, and I would say the way that I showed up for her and for my family, and the way that my family came together. So it's family pride too, but that is my proudest moment right now. If I had to think of one without thinking about anything, that's what it is. Because it was really hard, and it was really scary, and it was terrible. And it was also beautiful and giving, and I'm just so grateful that I was able to be there like that for my mom. And I couldn't do that without my second most proudest thing, which is this business. Like I had the ability 
to say, no, I'm putting this on hold and I'm going to go see my family. I couldn't do that if I worked for somebody else. I see. I couldn't do it and know that I'd come back to a job. Um, but me, I didn't guide as much, but I knew that my, my business would survive it because I am my business and I knew I'd have to keep going. <laughs> and that you will survive. Yes. So I am proud of this business and of building a female guide team nationwide. You know, these women that can travel all over the country to guide. That was That is not easy. <laughs> it is not, yes. You know, you're always the only female guide. <laughs> I'm always the only female guide. They're always the only female guide. So having an all-female guide team. Definitely. Super proud of that. Awesome. I'm proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> And another question is... Uh, Say people listen to this episode, if they can only take one thing away, what you wish them take away? For guides listening to this? Now you're putting in category, but you can do in that. In categories, yeah. I know. Mm -hmm. That's just the way my brain works. For sure. <laughs> um, for guides, I would say the most important thing, if you want to be a good guide, you have to invest in yourself and your personal climbing. Okay. That could be yourself, your own mindset work, and your personal climbing, but you need to invest in yourself. So I see a lot of new guides, they make their whole trajectory about the PCGI or the AMGA route. They're like, I'm going to do these specific climbs. I see. So that I can get into this course. Right. And it's all for the AMGA or for the PCGI. It's not for themselves. Right. And that's important. You need to go get certified. You need to get experience before you get certified. But you really need to stay connected to why you're doing it and what you're doing. And, and so stay connected to yourself. I like this one. I just think it's so important. And that's why so many guides burn out. I think they do it for a little while. And then they're like, this isn't what I thought. I don't like this. And it's like, yeah, because you haven't gone rock climbing since you started <laughs> guiding. <laughs> well, wait a second. I need to go rock climbing. <laughs> right, exactly. It's so important. And that's one of the perks of the job is that most of our work is seasonal. So take a month or whatever, a week, any amount of time that you can in your off season and just go climbing for yourself. Yeah, I did do that after the... Red Rock season ends in spring. I went to Greece. Yes. <laughs> Columnos? Yes, I did. Nice. That place is paradise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you probably came back rejuvenated. You probably loved rock climbing. I mean, I I always love rock climbing. I ever, actually never had a moment I hate rock climbing. I just hate walking. <laughs> right, I know. Yeah, uh-huh. The other reason I say it's important is because I see guides out there, and they're just sort of stiff stiff or just like robotic sort of of mm -hmm. like we're gonna teach this skill in this way uh. and I always tell my guides I'm like you're just teaching them how to rock climb which you know how to do <laughs> so just do that like, right. don't do anything dangerous don't be unsafe but yes. like they don't need to tie the clove hitch the same way that you tie it they just need to tie mm -hmm. the clove hitch yes I, like, I just tell my students you know As long as nobody's killed, you've done your job well. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the takeaway for guides. And I guess the takeaway for anybody listening is um, 
I mean, I'm obviously biased, but I think rock climbing is this amazing thing. I think it connects people. Yeah, I can't agree more. Yeah, it provides <laughs> community. So go climbing and have fun and uh, just try to immerse yourself in the history of rock climbing and see where it came from so that we can keep the spirit of climbing alive. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah totally. Really, yeah, really enjoying this conversation. Thank you, I know. Yeah. We'll just keep talking. We, we can. <laughs> <laughs> and then we definitely, like, once I have more episodes, I think I probably will start to do some follow-up. Cool. Like, quick follow-up. Because I talk with all these people. It's like, we all seem kind of like some unfinished thread. I know. Right? Exactly. You asked me so many questions tonight that I was like, each of them could have been an episode. Right. So, know? right, you know, what, like, this Joshua's permit thing and then all those, like... Anyway, we, we we definitely, you know, once we accumulate enough, then I'm, like, gonna pin back. You're doing the work. You're gonna bring <laughs> us all together. Create this awesome network of female guides. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.